If you're a Christian here this morning, I've got a question for you. Are you sure, absolutely sure, in your heart of hearts, that when you stand before the judgment seat of God on the last day, you will not be condemned? Are you sure of that? Are you persuaded of that? Are you convinced that you are eternally safe and secure in Christ forever? The reason I begin with this question is because Paul penned this opening verse so that we would be convinced, so that we would be absolutely persuaded that we are in Christ Jesus now and forevermore. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning, you need to know there is no incriminating evidence. There is no dirt that could be dug up and submitted before God against you on the last day that would reverse the divine pronouncement of this verse. There are no witnesses that could be admitted into the heavenly courtroom of God to testify against you that could reverse the pronouncement of this verse. There is, therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8 was written so that Christians would have full assurance of salvation. The chapter begins with this glorious news, no condemnation. The chapter ends with this glorious news, no separation. This chapter was written so that you and I would be fully assured that we are safe and secure. Paul wants us to have the settled enjoyment that we are the children of God, that he is our heavenly father, and there is nothing, nothing that will change that. I have four points for us this morning. Point number one, therefore. Point number two, no condemnation. Point number three, in Christ Jesus. Point number four, right now, no condemnation. Therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Right now, no condemnation. Paul begins this chapter by saying there is therefore. Meaning, what he is about to say is linked to what he has just said in Romans chapter 7. And the latter part of Romans chapter 7 makes very clear that you and I struggle and battle with indwelling sin. There is good that we want to do, but we do not do it. The evil that we do not want to do, we do it. And so we find ourselves with the Apostle Paul crying out, Oh, what wretched person that I am. I don't need to know much about you as a Christian 
to know this. Because you struggle with sin, you sometimes feel condemned. Romans chapter 1 through 3 make very clear that before a holy God, all of this world stands condemned. We've studied that, we've meditated upon that. And even as those in Christ, when we sin, what rises up from within are feelings of condemnation. Now, it's because Paul was a wise pastor and an expert physician of the soul. He began Romans chapter 8, and, and in the original there were no chapter divisions, with this glorious statement, Therefore, since you're someone who struggles with sin, you need to know this. There is no condemnation. Point number two, no condemnation. What's really striking when you read this verse in the original is that the first word is not the word there. The first word is not the word therefore. The first word of this verse in the Greek is no. And, and that word no in the original isn't just the normal word for no, it's the compound, it's a compound word. And it's a word that means never. It's a word that is emphatic, that means no, never, none, condemnation whatsoever. Paul wants every Christian mind, heart, and soul to grasp there is no condemnation. There is nothing that condemn, that can condemn a Christian. We are completely free from the punishment and the penalty that our sin deserves. Condemnation does not exist for the Christian. Now, it's not because we don't deserve to be condemned. As we said, Romans chapters 1 and 3 make very clear. As sinners, we stand before God deserving his condemnation. But because we're in Christ Jesus, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. As one pastor theologian has said, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no valid reason why you should ever again experience fear or apprehension about your relationship with God or your eternal destiny. Yes, you deserve condemnation. But that condemnation does not exist for you if you're in Christ Jesus. And this is wonderful, wonderful news. Do you know it's so wonderful that when Paul wrote this first verse, he was so gripped by it that he didn't write any verbs in it. So to make sense in English, they had to start the verse by saying, there is. To, to make this verse make sense in English, they had to move the word no to the appropriate place. But when Paul penned this, it was like his heart was so taken up about it, he was like, no, condemnation. Therefore, in Christ Jesus. 
Now, the reason this is such glorious news is because let's be ruthlessly honest. Condemnation from God is one of the most unsettling and chilling realities. It should send shivers down your spine and shivers, put shivers into your soul. To be condemned by Almighty God means to be sentenced to eternal death under his wrath. Paul did not pen this verse so that we would fear condemnation. He penned this verse because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The writer of Hebrews makes clear to us the Lord shall judge his people. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God if you're not one of his people. But this glorious verse says that to be his people is to be in the safest and securest place in the universe. Therefore, no condemnation. Point number three, in Christ Jesus. How is it possible that people who deserve God's punishment don't receive it? The answer, according to the Apostle Paul, is in Christ Jesus. We've been, uh, as we've been working through Romans, we spent probably the majority of time in recent days looking at this marvelous doctrine of union with Christ. Probably the most important and the most neglected doctrine in the New Testament. You cannot understand salvation without the doctrine of union with Christ. To be in Christ is the most important truth. It's Paul's favorite way to describe the Christian in Christ, in Christ. Now, I've tried to explain what it means to be in Christ many times, so let me try and explain it one more time, and let me use a fresh illustration to explain it. So what does it mean to be united with Christ? Well, let me use football. Football never really works as illustration for some people, but you're going to just bear with me for a moment. Let's imagine that every single person in this room this morning is a Maidstone United football fan. You're thinking to yourself, who in the world are Maidstone United? Well, they play in one of the lowest leagues of English football. They're a football team from Kent. And yesterday, they beat Stevenage to go through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. So they are the lowest ranked team in the FA Cup right now. So let's just imagine with me for a moment that we are die-hard Maidstone United fans. I know it's impossible for some of you to think of yourself as a die-hard football fan, never mind Maidstone United, but bear with me. And let's imagine that because you're such a busy person that yesterday you missed the game. And because you were so tired after your busy day that you didn't turn on the BBC and watch Match of the Day to catch up on the result. And so as you're sitting here in church this morning, and as your mind starts drifting whilst I'm preaching, let's imagine you remember, oh, Maidstone United were playing yesterday, and I wonder what the score was. And so let's just hypothetically imagine that after I pronounce a benediction, at the end of the sermon, you sit down, and you know that the person sitting next to you is a die-hard Maidstone United fan, and so you turn to them and you say to them, what was the score yesterday? 
And your friend turns round to you with huge eyes, a huge smile, and says, We won! It was 1-0! And they start punching their fist in the air and cheering. And you join them. We won! Now there's a sense in which that statement doesn't really make sense. We won! No! The 11 players on the pitch won the game. How did we win? Well, because if you're a football fan, if you believe in them, if you follow them, you're united to them, you're incorporated with them. So when Maidstone United win, you win. When they lose, you lose. And the same is true with Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible makes clear when you put your faith in Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit, you are united to him. You're inseparably joined with Jesus Christ. So that all that he does in his life, death and resurrection is for you in your place as your representative. So when he lived a perfect life that you could not live, it was for you, your life. His life, your life. His perfect righteousness, his perfect record could thus be imputed to you and given to you because you are united with him. When he died that wrath-absorbing death on the cross, you died with him. In my place, condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Because your sin was imputed to him. He paid it in full. He died, we died. When he was raised on the third day, conquering the grave, defeating sin and sating, crushing death, you rose to the newness of life. He was raised, you are raised. Because he was victorious, you are victorious. That is the wonder of being united to him. And that is what explains why there is therefore now no condemnation. Because we are in Christ Jesus. To be justified, which means to be declared righteous, legally speaking, is to also say, just as if I had never sinned. Just as if I had died on the cross. Just as if I had been raised to the newness of life in the resurrection. Because of union with Christ. And so that begs this question. Are you in Christ? Are you in Christ this morning? You may be here this morning, you're an atheist. You might dismiss everything that's been said right now and say, well, there is no God, there is no judgment day. Jesus might have lived, but his life does not have eternal consequences for my life. That's how atheists give them assurance that they've got nothing to worry about. You might be here this morning, you're an agnostic. You don't know if there is a God. And you think to yourself, if there is a God, and he's a God of love, then it's his job, isn't it, to forgive me of my sin, and so hopefully he'll see I'm a good person, I've lived a good life, and I'm not that bad, and he'll let me in. That's often how agnostics give themselves assurance. They try and convince themselves that if God is a God of love, 
And God is a God of forgiveness that then he will forgive them. Can I say this? The Bible does not say that. The Bible says there is a God. The Bible says there is a day of judgment coming. The Bible says the only way to have full assurance that you are safe and secure is to be in Christ. And the only way to be in Christ is not to try and keep his law because you can't. The only way to be in Christ is not through good works or through tears. The only way to be in Christ is through faith. To trust in him. To rest your life in him. And in that moment you believe in him. That very moment you're declared righteous. You're justified. You're united to him inseparably forever. Therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Fourth and final point. Right now, no condemnation. It would be easy to read verse 1 and skip that little word now. Of course, it denotes time. It clearly implies that before now, we were under condemnation. That is, before we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we stood condemned before God. But when we believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, we were in Christ and there's no more condemnation. Paul wants us to know something that is so glorious about this truth. And and listen, if there's anything, anything you need to grasp this morning, grasp this. God's future verdict that will be announced on the last, no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, for the Christian has been brought forward to right now. Right now, right this moment, If you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And you need to hear that this morning. Dear Christian, we struggle with our sin. Our sin haunts us. Our consciences accuse us. Satan and all the minions of hell constantly accuse us of our sins. Some of you here this morning, if I were to say, start thinking upon your sins, you could remember sins that you committed a long time ago and they still haunt you. They rob you of your joy. They rob you of your peace. Some of those sins were committed before you came to Christ. And you feel condemned. Others of you here have committed sins whilst you've been in Christ. And they haunt you. And they torture you. Your sins of youth that David prayed in Psalm 25 that God would not remember anymore. Some of you have sinned in the past year, maybe even in the past week. And the weight of your sin and your guilt weighs heavy upon you. Listen, dear Christian, right now there is no condemnation for you. Right now. How so? Well, Jesus' death was not in vain. His blood that was shed is of a double cure. He's removed and cleansed you of your sin. And he has cancelled the power of sin 
and its dominion over your life. Dear Christian, Satan may accuse you. Your conscience may join the chorus of Satan and say, what a wretched person you are. Call yourself a Christian. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're going to sing this hymn tonight. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him, Jesus, there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if you have got hold of this idea, you will have discovered the most glorious truth you will ever know in your life. There is right now, right now, no condemnation for you who are in Christ. You, you need to realize this truth in your soul, so maybe personalize it even more. There is, therefore, right now, no condemnation for me, Andy Longway, in Christ Jesus. Right now, there, there's none. Now, you might hear this and think... Wait a minute, if that's true, isn't that a license to just go and sin? Of course not. God forbid. That was what Paul said in Romans chapter 6 and 7, remember? Should we just sin more so that grace may abound, since God is so gracious? Well, anyone who's united to Christ knows that that, 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 is, a, that is the worst thought imaginable. In fact... Grasping this truth actually has the opposite impact in your life. Instead of wanting you to go forth and go and sin, as you may please, your response to what God has done for you in Christ should be joy and gratitude, and that is the fuel for obedience in the Christian life. This truth that Jesus, that in Jesus Christ there is no condemnation is glorious truth that actually sets us free. So Paul's going to come on and we're going to look at it next week in verses 2 through 4. We've been set free to live for God. You know, I could tell you something if you're here this morning, you're a Christian and you've never grasped this truth. I'll I'll tell you something about your Christian life that you might not know. If you're a Christian and you've not grasped the truth that there is now no condemnation for you given freely by his grace, you you will live your life and lead your life like a legalist. Because you haven't grasped grace. You haven't grasped that the only reason you're in right relationship with God is because of all that he has done and nothing you could do that would ever make him love you any more or any less. And so if you've not grasped this, what you'll try and do is that when you sin, you'll try and clean yourself up. You'll try and improve yourself. You'll make resolutions. I'll never do it again. I've promised myself I'll never do it again. You do it again. You think, oh, what a wretched person I am. I'm going to try and fix myself. In fact, I'll make more rules. I'll make more laws. That's legalism. Grace is the most glorious recipe for repenting. In fact, here's a litmus test to see if you get grace. When you sin, 
What is your instinctive response? Because if your instinctive response is to run from God and try and clean yourself up, you're a legalist. You're not getting grace. But if your instinctive response, instead of running from God, is to run to God and to go to his throne of grace with confidence, you get grace. You get it. There's nothing you could do that would make him love you any more, any less. But because the grace of God is at work of your, in your life, when you sin, and because you hate sin, like the Apostle Paul, because you cry out, oh, wretched man I am, who could deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. You go to him and you say, God, have mercy upon me, I need you. You know, it's one thing to say right now there is no condemnation, but let's just be honest. This is the last final point I want to make on this. Right now, some of you are struggling with sin, habitual sin. And so, what do we make of this verse? Because if you're struggling with habitual sin, you'll have no peace within. Your conscience stings. Your mind sometimes knows shame. You probably think there's something wrong with you. You think that you must be have something majorly deficient with you as a Christian. Can I say, if your normal Christian life is you feeling that you're constantly battling and struggling with sin, that is the normal Christian life. That's actually what we read in the Catechism. That none of us have perfect sanctification. That we have this this, this um, war raging within, this inner, this awakened conscience, the sensitivity to the sinfulness of sin, this recoiling at rebellion, this grieving over our battles that have been lost. That's the normal Christian life. That's actually evidence that the grace of God is at work in your life. Because here's the thing: I can remember before I was a Christian, sin ruled my life. There was no real warfare. Like, certainly there were times when I did things that were wrong and I, and I felt a pang, a momentary pang of my conscience, but I was always able to silence them and just do what I want, when I want, how I want. When I became a Christian, the whole thing changed. I, I'm not comfortable sinning. I hate it. I hate that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. I feel wretched. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna live your Christian life, a mature Christian life, with a skewed vision of it, understands when the truth of no condemnation reigns over me right now, that is also consistent with the reality of the right now battle with sin. And that's why this verse is so glorious. Right now as you and I battle with sin, right now, there is no condemnation. And there is no separation. And here's the response thankfulness thank you Jesus and so obedience Jesus I love you Jesus I can't do this but I thank you that your spirit lives within and so I will fight with sin knowing that I am safe and secure.
And there is nothing, no nothing, that can condemn me. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning and we are astounded. (laughs) Just one verse in this glorious chapter. Lord, we thank you that we can feast our souls this morning upon the truth of the reality that is ours now in Jesus Christ, that there is now no condemnation because we have been justified by faith alone. We now have peace with you, now and forevermore. And because your son is the one who justifies us, there is no one who can condemn us. God, as we celebrate this marvelous truth, we pray that you would massage it into our minds, our hearts, and our souls, that we would be grasp, we'd grasp it, we'd grapple with it, so that we wouldn't even live like legalists ever thinking that we could do anything to earn or curry your favor. That we would so get grace that we would never run from you, but be always running to you in faith and repentance. Oh God, we, 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 we hate the fact that we sin. But we thank you that through Jesus Christ, you will one day deliver us from this body of sin. And on that day when you deliver us and give us new bodies, we thank you that we will be free to live in perfect unity. And we will see your son for who he is and we'll be made like him. I do want to pray for anyone here this morning who is not in Christ and pray that this morning that they would believe and that they would know that in that moment of believing and trusting and repenting that they are declared righteous now and forever. Hear us then as we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.